And then he said, don't wish it was easier, wish you were better. Don't wish for less problems, wish for more skills. I can't catch a break, guys. Yeah. Get them the fuck away from me. I can't, I can't be around those guys. People think, oh well, cleaning your room, that's just a cliche. It's like, yeah, really, eh? Just go ahead and try it. If people had any idea how powerful sleep is for healing from anything, and the fact that it's free. My mind is absolutely bulletproof, solid as a rock. Podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Fighting Fit Show. Today, we are going to be talking about honoring your hunger. Uh, we're going to learn how to recognize physical hunger cues, practice mindful eating, to, and uh, become in tune with your body signals, and to develop strategies for nourishing yourself when you are hungry. How's everybody? I hope you're all having a wonderful week. I hope that you're enjoying this little podcast series that we've been going on. Um, I've actually had a message from a lady, and she was talking to me about her experience with bulimia and we were obviously talking about our lack of experience of people who were bulimic or who did any kind of purging or that kind of stuff and she was kind of talking about it as a form of control and so you know there was other stuff going on in her life and she kind of felt like you know it wasn't even necessarily to be skinny or anything like that it was just a kind of habit that she fell into and she described it you know very much like an addiction with highs and so you know once you got that release for whatever reason you know obviously i'm sure it makes sense you know neuro uh, neuro neurologically you know once you kind of purge i'm sure there's all kind of chemicals that flow through your brain and human beings can kind of get addicted to all kind of things but a big part of it in her experience was control and for whatever reason she felt like she didn't have control in her life and that was a way of controlling maybe her calories or her food or her weight or whatever kind of form of control that she was after and it was just this kind of cycle and she was really struggling with it. she couldn't really get off the train much like people you know struggle with nicotine or with whatever addiction sugar whatever whatever your your drug of choice might be or your addiction of choice might be she was really struggling to get off the train and she was kind of going to specialists in for help and she couldn't really get anybody to fix the problem or you know she didn't really feel like she was getting the kind of treatment that she wanted at least in the short term it was kind of you know this thing that was kind of putting on the long finger or this thing that was kind of like oh look do this do this do this but nothing was super effective and then one day you know she kind of felt the change in herself and she decided you know that she was going to go to counseling she for whatever reason just described that she gave them the problem you know it's like, I'm, I'm just going to give you the problem i'm going to talk about what it is how it's hurting me i'm just going to step away and one and done just kind of walked away from it for good she got into a relationship and I feel like that was maybe coincided with with this kind of experience of giving the the trauma or the issue to the to the therapist. Once she gave it to the therapist and she was in a relationship, she was in a good space. No more bulimia, bulimia. No more purging. She had been in a good spot and everything was going well. The issue then being when the relationship fell apart, she fell back on this crutch that she had for maybe. A dopamine hit you know maybe just for that neuro, neurochemical pulse maybe to kind of regain control of her life and feel like she was in control of of, of it or, or one thing or another and then so we kind of started regaining control in other forms of her life and kind of started to step away from the bulimia and it's still something that this person would struggle with you know on a on a, on a stress to stress basis like that's always going to be a tool that they have in their arsenal in order to solve the problem and that's kind of something that we've, we've talked about before in terms of like traumas and addictions and stressors is that you know we often as a society can judge people for reaching towards a certain thing because of 
the result that it has for them long term but short term it's often you know a very very good solution well maybe not a very good solution but certainly a solution to the strategy maybe a short term very good solution to the strategy because it takes away from whatever pain is present yeah well all i know is that if i feel really really sick or really nauseous um i get a feeling that i and i need to be sick after i feel after i get sick it's just like the most pleasant sort of peace that you get because the nausea goes away for a while like um uh, i'm not sure if you've ever had this experience where you're you know you're on your own you're kneeling down your heads basically in the toilet and you're only after puking your ring up and then you just basically lay on the cold floor just for a minute just enjoying the peace of like not being out not having to feel sick for a while or not have to um don't feel that nausea anymore well i know even for myself like just kind of something similar to that like um yeah for sure i i know what it's like i'm sure everybody knows the relief of getting sick but for me one thing that i do and it's absolutely um dreadful is that if i feel sick and can't get sick i will literally make i'll two fingers down the throat i'll make myself sick because i know i'll feel better once i get sick like obviously i wouldn't yeah. do it for any other reason but i just know i need to get sick here i'm uh, it's not coming up my stomach's absolutely in bits it's making me feel all kinds of sideways i need to get sick i'll make myself sick and i'll feel so much better so yeah no for sure i understand that there's certainly a relief you know you go from but but i don't understand that as it pertains to you know like just chasing that but as i said i'm sure you could you know if you get sick and for whatever reason like i said in 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 that post vomit state that you're in you, you know you feel euphoric for maybe whatever reason it's like why what you know we get caught on to many other things why would that not be one of them and it is for i'm sure thousands of people around the world yeah i wonder what the like how how it makes you feel like you're in more control maybe it's like a I know, yeah you know, like yeah. a self-punishment kind of thing or something like that there you know if you do something bad it's a corrective mechanism like after you're stressed maybe well maybe it's just like a um, symbolic as well do you know like if something bad is happening or you're like releasing all of this negativity or something honestly this is like i feel like a believe me is way outside my area of expertise it's um something i'd be very very careful to recommend solutions to or recommend guidance on that would be something i'd try and outsource um yeah to a professional it's like if you're yeah 100 if you're if you're if you're bulimic and like that's the kind of situation you're in obviously like bulimia bulimia is not great because you know it's you're well obviously you know you're making yourself sick it's like it could be really really bad for your teeth you know, so it's like so for your oral hygiene, it's like it's, it's like it's, it's not great of the acid in your stomach coming up through your mouth. So it's not like it's this like you know symptom free thing. And then also you're not digesting any of the nutrients in the food that you eat. So it's like there's literally nothing in there. So you're getting in, into uh, you know a calorie deficit and a nutrient deficit because you're not allowing your body to digest properly. Now if that's your coping mechanism and you're you're in the habit of eating regularly and eating good food and all this kind of stuff, and you're really not getting the chance to digest an awful lot of it because stress levels are chronically high that's your only way of mitigating stress it's like we need a better tool that's all i would be saying and you know what i would recommend is you know all the other tools that are available for relieving stress and all the other stuff that we talked about in this podcast but actually coming away from bulimia i'm sure is a very very complicated subject and it's 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 probably very individual um, as most things are you know why are you doing it um you know you could have six people who are bulimic in a room and everyone's doing it for a different reason some people are doing it because they're obsessed with their body body image some people are doing it to punish themselves some people are doing it as a form of control some people are doing it because their friends are doing it you know it's like you, you really don't know and 
that's where you know you won't, probably want professional counseling to, yeah. to get to the bottom of it. And so again, yeah, that's 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 something I really started doing in the last twelve months is referring people on to counseling. It's like you know you really like you really should go deeper into this, and there's so much benefit to going deeper into this. And you know it's 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 not a quick fix in a lot of cases. For some people, it is you know, but for the for the most part, when somebody is traumatized and is dealing with something serious, it's like you got to seek serious help. You got to do some deep work. You got to get to to the bottom of it and figure it out. You know and. And a, lot, and a lot of the time as well, just talking about it, even to you know, close friends or family members can help a lot. Like just articulating your thoughts. Like because when you have a problem like that, you, know, you don't know how, how anyone else feels about it. You don't know how anyone else will perceive it. And that's probably one of the big anxieties you have about you know, not sharing it. And once you share it yeah, and someone gives you their perspective on it and they can be honest with you as well, um, you know, about if you're taking a mic or not or if you're... Um, if you're generally struggling and then you might find like sometimes I've come to you guys with problems and you say oh yeah I've had the same problem and been compl- like up until this point I would have felt isolated and alone and then as soon as like I talked to you guys about it you just um, like the fact that you guys would have struggled with it too but it would have made me uh, feel a lot better about it and then all of a sudden a lot of the guilt and the shame around that thing uh, would it would disappear and then I like I think um, I think Guilt and shame around different things like this stop people from getting help. Uh, and I think once they get the help that they need, they can start living the life that they want. And uh, if you can just talk about it and articulate your thoughts and uh, understand what the perception really is around it rather than just ruminating on it yourself, it can help a lot. Yeah, something for me, like that I always do for my own kind of, you know, personal development. And as I said, to kind of avoid guilt and shame cycles, like everything's normal. Like even for the most niche thing that you think that is going wrong it's like i can guarantee you there's at least ten thousand other people that are doing it now this doesn't make it healthy doesn't make it safe but i'm saying it's like you know you're not alone it's like there's so many people that are going through so many different you you know quote unquote unique you know it's like and then if you're to you know broaden out it's like right well what what what's the issue here right let's say you're you're overweight because you know that's your your trauma management tool let's say you're bulimic because that's your trauma management tool let's say you're this you're that you're the other as your trauma management tool what's the umbrella it's like well you're you're trying to deal with you know emo- you're, you're emotionally dysregulated you're trying to figure out and understand or at least you're just trying to cope and survive and hang on it's like and geez that's something that we can all relate to it's like they're, like that is like now we're out of the thousands and we're into the millions if not billions of people who are trying to you know do the same like like are there a billion traumatized people on earth possibly you know and so definitely yeah well there you go cool exactly yeah so i, I thought i was kind of overreaching there but yeah and so now now again yeah. we can, meet, how, we many, can we how can... many like how many starving kids are there yeah yeah but but so <laughs> the thing about it is like so then it's like right well how are you dealing with that it's like or you know, like that's a little bit more niche it's like maybe you're a niche within a niche within a niche but it's like you know that's still you know, probably a very common problem to have. And so you're not alone. And so you're not a freak. You shouldn't feel this like unique sense of shame as I am the worst person. Nobody else is like this. Nobody could possibly understand. I am. It's like, and people really get into the, to, those horrible shame sites. And for me personally, what I was saying is like, you know, if I'm going through something, I, I just, you know, I just like one of, one of my, one of my mental games that I play myself, like if you can think about it, it probably happened. It's like really like, think about the worst thing you could possibly think about probably happen think about the best day you could possibly have that's probably happened to somebody you know it's like think about the most mediocre mundane life you can live that's happened to somebody you know think about the most you know a series of unfortunate events it's like 
just by strength of sheer numbers, it's like people are so, you know, there's so much happening out there. It's like, it's, it's pro- if it's happening to you, it's probably happened to somebody else. And so you're not alone. And so, you know, don't, don't feel like you're just this unique case of helplessness. It's like, and, and, you know, if you can think about it, it probably happened. There's somebody probably in your situation, if not worse, who came out well on top, like absolutely 180 that climbed to the very top and is now smashing it beyond belief. It's like, why not? Mm-hmm. 100%. So um, will we park that one there and we move back into <clears throat> honoring your hunger? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so first, uh, first point is to learn to recognize physical hunger cues. Okay. What do you have to say about that? Any ideas? Or do you want me to oh, take it off? Well, now, well, now I'm going to get right back to fasting. <laughs> so the fasting every week in this podcast. But I feel like that was, for me, a big part of understanding kind of hunger and just... Now, again, that's not necessarily day fast or anything like that. Even just choosing, right? You know, I'm going to do a morning fast. And I'm going to skip breakfast today. And as you said, I'm going to notice and honor my hunger. and understand what it is. I'm going to appreciate, you know, the food that I want that I'm not going to just give in out of habit you know i'm gonna start to experience the hunger for what it is you know start to recognize the cues start to listen to my thoughts maybe even meditate a little bit try and drink some water just kind of see how that feels see if it feels a little bit different you know maybe start planning my my meal start getting a little bit excited and, and looking forward to starting to become a bit proactive then instead of just reactive to hunger and i feel like fast and by nature is like listen what are you like with the absence of food how, how, how does that how do you deal with that and i know for me like personally today like i, I i'm just back from a week, a week off and generally i don't fast on my holidays and so you know i was eating pretty much on demand whenever i really wanted to you know wake up in the morning have breakfast snacks lunch dinner whatever and i found that today i'm back on my fast you know i'm not eating till about three or four today my intermittent fasting um you know i'm absolutely starving you know, because my body's used to eating at a certain period of time, so that habitual hunger is kind of coming through. Hey, Brando, did did you miss something? Yeah, so I think um, I think it's important to mention, like Joe, what causes hunger, um, how it sort of presents itself, and then how to actually honor it, and what that means to actually honor it. I think honor it is a very um, I don't know, like a woo woo sort of way of saying it. It's very like hippy dippy. But um, hunger basically happens when this hormone called ghrelin spikes in your body. And ghrelin is basically like a time-based release hormone. And it usually uh, spikes at the same time, uh, the same times every day. But it will also spike basically when you are hungry. Um, There's also another another few things that you should know as well that there's a difference between like Joe having a craving for a food and... Um, actually being genuinely hungry um, ghrelin if you have breakfast at 9 o'clock every day so come half 8 you'll probably uh, feel a little bit hungry but the cool thing is is that as the hormone spikes and hits a peak you'll feel really really hungry and it starts to drop pretty quickly and if you fast you can if let's say tomorrow you want to try this out skip breakfast you don't normally skip breakfast if you don't um, skip a meal and just watch yourself and just watch the reaction that takes place when you do start to feel hungry you'll feel the pangs you'll feel it rise and then if you have a glass of water maybe even a cup of coffee or whatever you'll just feel it dissipate and then you can just like ride the wave and you don't get hungry at all and that's how you basically survive faster. people panic that's what i find people are like oh no i'm hungry i'm starving and realistically and in fairness to I'm these starving. people it's like it feels it feels severe 
Like it's, it, it can certainly feel severe. Like I, I, I just before this podcast, it, like it was my lunchtime there, but uh, half ten, and I didn't need anything. And like I was getting like proper strong signals, like you know, close to cramp, you know, stomach ache like sensations. It's like it's you know it's pretty severe when you get really really hungry with a bad hunger pain. And so you know it's like you, oh geez, I really need to eat something. It's like but through experience and through history, it's like you know you'll be fine. Go without it. Drink some water. This too shall pass. Hunger is not an emergency. Yeah, well, well unless it's unless it's been fifteen days. <laughs> Yeah, well, then you, you've got other problems. So, um, yeah, so understanding that uh, ghrelin is basically the main hormone that makes you feel uh, hungry is important and that it comes up at the same times every single, mostly the same time every day. If you have a regular um, eating cycle, if you don't and you give it the cravings, like you can be tricked very, very, very easily um, when you see tasty food, when you smell tasty food. I'm sure, like, we all have the experience you walk by the takeaway. Oh, my God, that will be so good right now. And you could have eaten, Even- like, like yeah. an hour ago, yeah, an hour ago, and it still smells so good. And then, um, you can also like when you do feel full. So like, I think what we should also have here is respect your satiety signals as well, um, because if you do eat, like you can trick your you can trick your brain into eating more by going from like let's say a salty to sweet. Uh, like I think if you go from, I think it's salty to salty to sweet. So if you have a little chips and you you're full up on like salt or whatever, there's always room for ice cream. There's always room for ice cream, and you can gorge yourself until you're absolutely so bloated and stuffed, and then that will mess with your stretch receptors in your stomach. Yeah, and then if you eat past the point of where you actually feel full, you disrespect it, and you know, you'll gain weight. You'll get into the habit of overeating. And a lot of people find comfort in that sort of full belly feeling too. Yeah, like I remember I've talked about this before, but when I was doing a OMAD and I was eating like a day's worth of calories in a very short period of time like it took me a, it took me a couple of weeks if not a couple of months before i kind of got used to eating smaller portions again mm. like like, like it could, so it, big yeah so it's like i was eating big so then it's like right well now i'm eating not only am i eating regularly now but now i'm eating regularly and i'm also trained to eat big all right well, what happens when i want to eat two thousand calories three times a day well now you're going to gain some weight my friend mm-hmm. yes. and so that's yeah, so but it's like just like everything else, I trained my stomach to be bigger. So it took me a longer time to reach that satisfied point because I literally had a bigger stomach. Yeah, and I think um, I think people who do overeat, Joe, they should be aware that they do have a bigger stomach. But it doesn't like you don't have to eat until you're full. One of the cues that you give as a coach is to eat until you're eighty percent full. Um, and there's a cool wee thing in yoga. One of the things in yoga to stay like healthy. What they say is, so you fill your stomach one third with food, one third with water, and one third air. And I think that's a very good way of doing it to make sure that you don't overeat. But when you do that as well, there's uh, when you overeat, there's a lethargy that comes after it. You know, you feel all sluggish and tired, and you want to take a nap. Um, and if you don't overeat and you eat till you're eighty percent full and drink plenty of water, you know, you feel energized after your meal instead of sluggish and lethargic, which is also um, another good thing to know. Um, but learn to recognize physical hunger cues. They usually come at the at the same times every day, and they're not an emergency. And you should eat until you are satisfied, and not until you're absolutely stuffed. Reasonable, reasonable. Um, but also, then, I know also also another thing. You know, it's like just like let's 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 put a let's put a, a phrase on it. It's like you know, like reasonable. Like what what do you feel is reasonable? Like you know when you're taking the piss because let's say you're you're let's say you're really overweight or just you know you've got a crazy big appetite and you're looking to lose some weight. It's like 
you like you know what's too much just by looking at it. And if you don't, you need to start learning what that is. And here's how you know: is like based on your activity levels, however much you're eating. If you're in a if you're in a if you're regularly gaining weight, like you're in a calorie surplus based on the fact that you're gaining weight. And if you're you know maintaining weight, it's like well, it needs to be you know maybe 20 30 percent less than what you're doing now and so just try and or you got to drastically increase your your energy output but we're talking about hunger so it's like yeah just smaller portions that's generally a very good cue it's like but the key is like are you doing smaller portions i actually had my second report in the last three weeks since i did another round of gold reviews people and i bumped bumped a, another lady's calories up by about 300 calories and she lost weight why did she lose weight? Was she eating more food? No. What was happening was that she was actually able to stick to her calorie target and therefore she was actually losing weight. So the same, same instance as the last time. And so, you know, what happens an awful lot of people is they try and go too small, too small, too small. And then their body's just like, I'm absolutely starving. And they end up overeating then. And so it's like, yeah, this kind of more is less sometimes. You know, it's like, it's, it's good to be just be honest with yourself and to what is a reasonable portion for you. You know, sometimes too little food is as bad as too much food because too little is just going to lead to too much. And that's, that's another thing that I think is a way of honoring your hunger, let's say, because if you don't respect it, well then if you like honor in my head means respect. All right. And if you don't, um, if you don't respect your hunger, well then you're going to probably dismiss how, um, how big of an impact being in a strict uh, or a severe calorie deficit is and how, you know, well, so what were like how reactive you'll be um when you do don't feel the need to binge or you, it is like like seven o'clock in the evening and you're finally sitting down in front of the couch when the hunger pangs come so like and hey, you're sitting you're sitting there with 1200 calories in the tank you're like oh please yeah exactly and how and how vulnerable you are to or susceptible you are to um just binging or just say uh, quitting the diet altogether or, or secret eating or any of the those other things so um Respect your respect your hunger and understand that is massive influence over your behavior. Like way more than you think. Way, way more than you think. Back to the analogy, Joe, you're you're not a car. Do you get me? You're you're basically like a horse, Joe. You need to, You're a horse, sort of You're a horse. Stop you, it. You're you a horse. Get, you need to guide yourself rather than demand it. Um Yeah, well like most people have to negotiate. Most people do. Some people again, if you have a really powerful why, so you can suffer. Like, um, but if you don't have a really powerful wine, you're just doing this just to try and eat healthier and all this sort of stuff. There's a full body spectrum of this stuff. Like, um, some people can just restrict. Some people can. Some people are just built different, but they suffer more, and you don't have to suffer like that. And if you ate like 500 calories here, 500 calories there, 500 calories there, join your 1500, and you're good. Join your starving. Well, then, like protein. Protein would be the best thing to do if you want to snack and you want to feel full again. Because Joe, it's has the highest thermic effect of food. It has the highest uh, satiating factor out of all foods, and it will just make you fucking feel better. Yeah, and obviously at a, at a genetic point, you know it matters. Like genetics do matter to a point. Like especially ectomorphs, endomorphs, mesomorphs is like, you know, ectomorphs are just going to be way more sensitive to their cues. Like they're like they're going to be full quicker. They're not going to be as hungry. It's just ectos. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. ectos. You know, end endomorphs. You know, so the ecto narrow shoulder narrow waist endo broad shoulder broad waist it's like they're generally the people who are overweight and obese you know and it's because you know it's it's built in your makeup it's like you're probably going to be a little bit less sensitive to your fullness cues and you're just going to be like have a higher higher 
uh, ghrelin spikes. It's just it's in your genetics. Does that mean that you are destined to be overweight? No, but it means that you probably have a tendency to be there. Um, and mesomorphs are somewhere in between. You know, broad shoulders, narrow waist for men. Broad waist, narrow shoulders Actually, for ladies. Just real, real quick. Think? All right. Um, no, I think you're. I think you're. You're right. But I think. Um, I think here's here's something I just find okay. Uh, people who are ectomorphs tend to want to be endomorphs, and people who are endomorphs tend to want to be ectomorphs or like closer to that side. So if you're an ectomorph, do you kind of want to be closer to the endomorphs? Yeah, yeah. And if you're an endomorph, you kind of want to be a bit smaller. And if you've um, curly and hair, you want if you've got curly hair, you want straight hair. If you're straight hair, you want curly hair. Yeah, and um, I think it's a so that information usually Joe makes you go. Sake. But I think it's important to understand that you know, people do have different body types and people do have different strengths and weaknesses. And I think um, wishing your situation away is not going to help. I think you should take an accurate inventory of what your strengths and weaknesses are. Uh, endomorphs put on muscle a lot more easily than and gain weight a lot more easily than um, ectomorphs. So like a strength plan would be really, really good for them. It would really, really help them with it but for a strength plan will be really good for everyone <laughs> um but like they would they'd be like higher responders in, in that regard you know and they eating eating more food wouldn't be a big deal to them but if you get an ectomorph oh, and they usually respond really well to you know weight or to you know, that stress on their body um and if you tell them to go run you know 5k to be like hey go fuck yourself um but if you get your ectomorphs ectomorphs um will tend to you know, not want to eat that much and they'll do really really well in running um, and other sort of like cardio-based activities and um, they'd be more efficient and more uh, they'd be better off with um, body weight uh, exercise as well um, but they won't tend to overeat or overindulge as much and they'll be spending energy way more throughout the day one of the things i found is that um, when i'm coaching people who want to build muscle they automatically do all the right things that they should be doing for fat loss like they automatically do it and yeah. it's easy for them and they do it without thinking. You know, it's like they're adding all these vegetables to their things, they're eating loads of high volume foods, you know, that they're trying to gain weight that they shouldn't be eating. Um, and they, they just like they're doing loads of extra cardio, getting loads and loads of deficit like every day to increase their calorie you know, deficit or reduce their calorie surplus. Um, and then with endomorphs, they basically do the opposite. They overeat and all these different things have like they overindulge with their um they overindulge with their calories and they overindulge with their treats and uh, they just tend to like eating a lot more and that re- it, that correlates better to build a muscle so there you so, go try to weaknesses. <laughs> yeah so take a take an accurate uh, inventory of your strengths and weaknesses don't wish away your situation and just make the most of what you have it will do you good in the long run Right. What's next? Uh, <laughs> so after that, we're, um, we have a uh, practice of mindful eating and tune into your body's signals. So uh, we kind of touched on this already a little bit, but yeah, this is the next layer. Yeah, we're gonna go go a little bit deeper. So I de- uh, mindful eating. All that means is that, like, if you're gonna have a meal, have the meal, sit down, put your phone, like, set a timer on your phone, maybe ten minutes, and take ten minutes to eat the meal without. Um, looking on your phone without listening to a podcast or anything like that there. If you can't do it with someone who's sitting there and you can have a conversation with them while you're eating and be aware of all the different tastes, all the different textures um, in your food and eat slowly. So like a good thing to help with. I Part of me thinks this is a bit ridiculous because I find it hard to eat mindfully as well. 
Um, and I think if you find it hard to eat mindfully, you might relate to that. But like, if you are to, let's say, eat a steak dinner, what you do is you use your knife, fork, cut it up, take a bite, put your fork down and just chew and enjoy the food rather than so just eating and watching something on your phone while you're unaware of how it tastes, um, show the texture of it, the temperature of it, all that different stuff. Uh, and then also you're not aware of how, let's say if you have like your percentage meter of how full you are, you're not aware of how full you're getting until you're at 110%. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, or, or until the place clean. That's, you know. Exactly. That's the, the one that's beaten into us as kids. Yeah, this is it. but again, it's it's something I like to do. Like I like to finish my plate. It gives me that fullness feeling. I'm I'm into that. Sometimes sometimes I like to challenge myself and try and finish food that I know I'm well past the limit for. But again, like that's for me personally, it's like that's something that I've had to work on for trying to bulk up. You know, somebody who's always kind of skinny, you know, never really much of an appetite. You know, a big snacker but not big meals. You know, something that I've really kind of got into is trying to you know force feed myself a little bit to try and increase the calories you know, going against my natural instincts, whereas somebody who maybe is a, has a tendency to overeat, it's like, you're going to have to finish early. I'll be honest with you, I would take my problem nine times out of ten. Yeah. Um, un- until it comes time to build some muscle. And I'm like, oh, fuck's sake. I wish I, wish I had a bigger stomach. But um, as I said, yeah, it's like something I've trained. Like, I was literally doing the old man for a long time. I could really force myself. And again, you, you practice, like, first couple of times, just to get anything else. You're not any, not any good in it. Post failure, didn't hit the target, slowly but surely you kind of get better and better and better. What we also about... with that, also also you don't have to force feed yourself as well. If you're bulking, like you actually don't have to force feed yourself. Eat until you're eat until you're full and like swap out foods for high calorie dense foods. That's really it. And yeah. then also then also like enjoy snacking on more like easy to dense. say easy to say when you have a big appetite, Christy. It is. It is. Yeah, yeah but it's like, like it's like it's like me saying it's like me saying. Just leave the pack of the biscuits. It's easy. You're like, yeah, but you do, so you don't with it, there is with there, there is there is easier like and harder ways to do it. Like this is one of the things. Like well, my housemate who was trying to bulk, he's put on like ten kilos by the way. Um, he has a and ten kilos of muscle as well. Um, he has basically like when he first started, I seen him like eat like he'd make a whole thing of vegetables, and it would be like half of his plate. It'd be half of his plate. Bro, stop uh, eating vegetables. It, it, well, like, not stop eating it, but, like, replace that with some, some more protein, some more rice, or some more, like, easy digestible carbohydrates. Like, you could put definitely some fucking, eat... Five, put some, you could put definitely some eat, dressing on that. Uh, you could definitely add 500 calories to your breakfast very, very easily by making a bowl of cocoa But my that point is this. So my point is this. My point is the same point that I made to you with the cotton calories, is that at a certain point, it's not about meal... It's not about the meal... It's about your how you feel. As I said, like I talked about this last week about the pizza. Like the pizza was the same. Nothing else changed, but I changed. So I was deeper into a deficit. So my appetite grew, the speed in which I ate grew, like my ability to eat grew. And so as you go deeper into a surplus, your appetite lessens in general. The same breakfast is more of a pain in the arse to eat. The same size, the same portions, you know, food that when you're very, very hungry and deep in a depth, that rich food, like a, a chocolate cake, it's like, it's just too rich to eat. Even if you haven't eaten in a couple hours, because your body, although today hasn't had any calories, is still in a surplus. And it's saying, I've had enough. Can you stop feeding me? An experience I'm sure is foreign to you. 
yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. Is fun. it like like I, like there's there's, I, there's I have some stuff before. I have bloody. I haven't but I'm saying before. But to the point where that's. Chicken. But that's and that's lasted for like a couple of weeks at a time. Uh, no. So usually, what happens? Usually, the times that I eat would usually be like post workout if I'm looking for a big meal. So like workouts usually tend to give me a really big appetite. And there's another thing. Like this is another thing for you know honoring your hunger. It's like you know, or maybe it's the exact opposite. If you're trying to bulk, one of the best bits of advice is say mindlessly eating. <laughs> it's yeah. like watch a TV show. Stop thinking about what you're doing just so you can just get it into. You're not focusing on your hunger because you can just kind of force it. Like I literally, when I a peak bulk, I'm watching motivational videos while I'm eating food. You can do this, man. Get that chicken in. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, it's it's two, end, two ends um, of the spectrum. Yeah, no, And problems exist at both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. But the, 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 the funniest thing about it, though, is that you're just... The problems that you have to solve on one side are the solutions on the other side. Yeah. And <laughs> it's just like, it's just for me, it was so alien seeing someone struggle to get calories in. That's what I, that's the experience yeah. I had anyway. I know, but, and I'll, um, never, I'll never forget you telling me it's like all the stuff because like, because I was somebody who you know was I wouldn't even say skinny fat, just skinny. Like I was just skinny. Like I was pretty lean. You know, small bit of muscle. I was just pretty lean. You know, I had been skinny fat over the years, but, you know, the reason I was skinny fat is I was just eating, you know, calorie-dense food. But the big thing... Yeah, and you weren't training super hard as well at some points. Yeah, but the, the biggest thing for you, was like, or for me, was like when you were like, like, listen, bro, however many calories like you think you're eating, it's like, it's not enough. It's like, oh, yeah. crap, I'm eating loads, man. I'm eating loads. It's like, are you getting wet? No. Not enough. Yes, I know. <laughs> it's not enough. It's not enough. bro. Please. And same thing with the deficit. It's like, are you losing weight? No, it's not enough. Yeah. And again, I always, I always feel very, very important to kind of just got or to mention this point every time we talk about that. Are you not losing weight? No. It's like, okay, are you a lady? Yes. All right. Are you losing weight over a four week period? No. All right. It's not enough. It's like it has to. You have to take your cycle into consideration, ladies. You really, really do. It's not fair. Life's not fair. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? You want me to, you want me to give me an extra, you want me to take your wee leg off your chromosomes. It's like you're a lady, that's what it is. You have a cycle. You need to learn to manage it and to understand it so that way you can, again, not fall into the same trap that everybody else falls into, which is like the same thing, a broader scale of that. Oh, I'm 1,200 calories and 1,200 calories and 1,200 calories. Now I'm 2,600 calories because you're over-restricted. It's like if you restrict, restrict, restrict for a week and then another week and then the scales doesn't change, fuck it, I'm just going to eat 3,000 calories. Well, now when the four weeks does show up, you're not going to be done anyway, and it's not because of the first two weeks didn't work. You just didn't see it. And so, again, I find that always very, very important to remind the ladies of. And to the lads, you know, if you're losing weight with the lady in your house, I'm doing it right, I'm lost weight every week. It's like, listen, it's more complicated for them. All right, give them a break. A little bit of compassion. A bit of compassion there. Come on, where was the last time you had a cycle? Hey, I think I think I heard something that like women. I knew you were gonna say that. I knew you were gonna say menstruation. Huh? Are you gonna are you gonna talk about menstruation or menstruation? No, 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 no. Um, All right. I, I was just gonna say. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> I was just gonna say that uh, women are, I think, on a, a twenty-eight day cycle, something like that, and guys are on a twenty-four hour cycle. So, like, our our mood and our cycle actually changes, like, 
as the day goes on. So like if you ask, I was, if I was to ask you your opinion of something, you know, first thing in the morning versus, you know, four o'clock in the day, it would be very, very different. And your, your mood would be different, your energy would be different, all that sort of stuff. But it, it's like reliably similar as well. And you can bust that out of whack by not getting to sleep on time. Hey, so the the last one was uh, let me see develop strategies for nourishing yourself when you're hungry so what are the strategies to nourish yourself when you're hungry okay so what is a nourishing meal or a nutritious meal um you need a portion of protein at least one portion of protein okay you need some hopefully leafy green vegetables or colors in that meal and then you need some carbohydrates to either fuel your workouts or um to basically or swap them out for more protein if you're in a deficit and you're trying to lose weight so um nourish nourishing foods basically foods that help you hit your goals and help you look and feel your best um a nutritious meal has roughly between 20 and 35 grams of protein depending on your size if you're a bigger person well then it will be closer to your 35 grams if you're a smaller person closer to your 20 grams and it should probably have at least one portion of carbohydrates in it and it should have uh, lots of different colored vegetables and um, if there's lots of vegetables in it, you get a little bit of volume in there, so you'll feel a little bit more hunger or a little bit more satisfied from it and less hunger. The protein in there will also make you feel less hungry. And then the carbohydrates will um, help satisfy that little glycemic uh, craving you have. Boom, that's the answer. Love it. Um, and you know, <laughs> we can move on to the next one if you want, or we can cut it there. There's also make it the next section that we're going to go on to is making peace with food, uh, challenging food rules and restrictions, uh, embrace all foods without guilt or judgment, uh, experiment with permission based eating, and then after that, we've got challenging the food police. I think that'll be an interesting episode. Well, one thing we were kind of talking about because we were kind of talking about uh, toxic things in diet and culture, weren't we? We were talking kind of talk about that last week. It's kind of you know in the mix of all this kind of stuff. And there's one here I, I would love to hear your opinion on, if you don't mind. Go for it. Um, it perpetuates fat phobia. Diet culture perpetuates fat phobia. Um, all right, well, I hate that word. Um, define it. Yeah, okay, right. First, we have to define what fat phobia is. So gen- is generally, it? phobias, uh, generally, this is why I'm frustrated with it. So generally, phobias is like a, uh, let's say, and uh, on what's the word like a a yeah, fear I'm, that's uh, unfair irrational a fear yeah irrational uh, an irrational fear and that's basically what it what it's for and fat phobia basically um doesn't mean that at all it doesn't mean that people are afraid of fat people or anything like that or afraid of fat in general what it is is like some sort of like discriminatory behavior or some way of like actually judging people or treating people badly based on their weight or making all these assumptions about them um i don't know while I don't like the term fat phobia. I don't think anyone who is overweight should be treated badly or anything like that or bullied or made feel shame or guilt around it because, again, the shame or guilt cycle will only make it worse to a point. Everyone is different. There's a few different... There's also an idea that I would subscribe to that I think you subscribe to as well, which is that, like, you know, a little bit of light tease and a little bit of light volume wet on something that someone is not handling, that they have come to you and talked to you about knowing that they should handle it. Um, John being like, hey, do you remember that thing you said you were doing and you're not doing it and we both know you really want to do it and you're not living up to it. I yeah, think it, that it, is it, like... it comes from love. It's like it's like only yeah. only 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 when you know that you're actually it's you're actually not been judged, it comes from pure love and wanting the best for you. And yeah, it's like yeah, especially like you know, slagging can be very, very powerful and very, very useful. But as I said, if you're going around and you're what 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 did it say? You know, is it 
uh, what is it? Is it what, what's what's that fucking term that they say? It's like negative reinforcement. But mm-hmm. you know, I feel like there's a more popular phrase where it's like you know, you're bu- essentially you're bullying someone in, in in a positive direction. It's like I feel like if you're going around to people who don't know, like, and trust you, and that's your approach, it's like that's fucking terrible. But it's like yeah, it's like for some people that works, and for other people, it's like they literally need their hand held and fucking walk through the process again and again and again and understand that they're allowed to fail and that you know that the reason that they're overweight is because again what we talked about that they're dealing with this and they're dealing with that and realistically they, that that's probably what they should be focused on not necessarily any of this other stuff um also while simultaneously trying to have better eating passion habits to not fall into a shame cycle that you're the only one you're a fucking disgusting person like the way that you're acting is absolutely shame it's like you know, it's like this is a very common thing nowadays and it's hijacked and, you know, perpetuated by the fact that companies are literally d- designing food to get you to that bliss point, which if you've got a really fucking bad problem or just a really strong tendency to use food as your stress, it's like that's going to be hyper-reinforced. And so, you know, it's like it's this very multi-layered problem. But yes, yeah, like with it, it, also, it's, also, also, sorry, just on that, and like it... The gym culture and diet culture does also promote, not promote, but kind of generally causes like people to have some kind of unrealistic body standard. Like, you know, it's like you, you, you're like, I know people who are really fit, they've got great muscle tone. Me, for, for example, you know, and you, for another one, I have lots of clients I know, it's like who are relatively lean. You know, it's like, no, they're not show ready. No, they might not be quote unquote ready for the beach absolutely shredded, you know, like they imagine in their head and still think that they're fat. It's like, you're, 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 you're perfectly healthy. And so, you know, it's like, like in, in that sense, people are afraid to gain any kind of fat because they don't have a realistic standard of what a healthy amount of body fat is. And also then in, on the opposite side of things, it's like, I've heard so many times people say, it's like, oh, so-and-so died just for toxic not to say that you know if you're you're gonna die but so-and-so died and it's like oh no way what age were they what was this you know people generally just ask out of curiosity it's like oh they're perfectly perfectly healthy normal guy and it's like and then you see a picture of them it's like and there were two three four stone overweight it's like and so that's normalized too and so it's like you know it's like we both need we need to understand it's like you know having a belly that you can see through your t-shirt is not healthy and and that is you know quote-unquote fat or overweight or you know you kind of get into that bracket but also it's like you know beach ready absolutely shredded it's like that's not normal either it's like it's 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 somewhere in the middle and there is body fat percentages and you know weight bmis all this kind of stuff obviously you know you've got excess muscle mass gonna be a little more inaccurate but there is actual standards for health and sometimes you might look at yourself in the mirror and see oh I'm not absolutely shredded. I'm not this, and feel a certain way about that. But you have to have the realistic standard and the objective thing to say, okay, uh, yes, I am healthy, or okay, no, I'm not healthy. Either way, either you're too lean because you know you're bulimic or you're anorexic and your standard is way off, or you're just obsessed with getting shredded. And for ladies, you know your cycle stops. For lads, you know your your energy levels, your sex drive is completely tanked, um, or or the opposite. You know you're overweight, you're unhealthy, you're at risk of X, Y, or Z. But oh, you know, it's like I look the same as all my friends. Yeah, I think um, uh, I'm. I'm not sure what where I want to jump in on that. But one of the things as well that I wanted to say uh, was about how how you look at and how people perceive you is um, strongly linked 
and I think um, people feel uh, a lot of pressure to be leaner and uh, a lot of pressure to be uh, skinny and or girls be skinny and look a certain way because the pressure is there whether you like it or not there is a societal pressure to to try and look and feel your best um, and then some people play that game and some people don't but if um, fat phobia fat phobia uh, for gym culture I think is the the side of the gym culture I see is like don't be fat phobic so if someone's new to the gym welcome them in give them a bit of encouragement give them a wee pat on the back and say well done you're making the change that's the side I see and anyone who doesn't take that sort of perspective is a bit of a dickhead and I think people who don't take that perspective kind of should be called out and be called Dickheads for but I feel, dickheads. I feel like an awful lot of people like we talk about spectrum people some people generally got up one day decided to be fit and flipped the switch and that was it and so if that's your experience like anybody who doesn't do that it's like you used to be lazy you used to see yourself as lazy so anybody who's not doing that is as lazy it's like whereas like listen you have no you've absolutely no idea how many hurdles someone has to jump through just to get to where you started you know like to get to the point where they can make the decision because i know it took me like three four five years of like on off on off you know sitting through my bullshit grown as a person you know growing as you know chronologically to the point where i could get to the point where i could support myself and feed myself in a way that i deemed appropriate to learn the information to get the skills to you know to give a shit to get the why to develop you know yourself as a person to read the books it's like it it, it it's not the same for everybody and Anybody who is generally, honestly, like trying their best, even if that looks like head in the sand, head in the sand, head in the sand, but when, you know, you can tell when somebody's trying their best. And even if, you know, they're, they're just have good intentions, you know, it's like, they, should, they yeah, you should, you should have patience with them and, you know, understand that it's, it's, it's not an easy fix and it's not a quick fix. And like for, for toxic, you know, I had terrible nutrition habits for years and was not shamed because I was skinny. But if I had terrible nutrition habits and it manifested to where I was overweight, it's like I probably would be, you know, shamed or judged or whatever. If that, that this is another thing I wanted to bring up as well. Like people are different, and someone the same the same thing that you give to two different people will work completely differently. Like for someone who um, is trying to get in real good shape, whatever it is, um, and let's say they're a really determined young lady, and Joe, they go. Um, they have like a crush or something like that there and they have, get the the courage to go ask them out and they get rejected because through the overweight so it's like oh sorry i don't date fat girls or something like that there and that's something that said to them that could be the point where she goes fuck this and turns everything around and starts losing weight and starts you know um, getting real healthy getting real strong all that sort of stuff whereas that same experience to um for some guy or whatever joey goes up finally gets the courage to ask a girl out whatever she says oh no sorry <laughs> you know she plays it off whatever way she wants to play it off but he knows that it's because he's really overweight you know like he could go home cry himself to sleep and uh be real real sad about it and get even more fat and i think um everyone's different everyone takes a uh, uses different things for different motivation or different things motivate pe- people differently and i think expecting everyone to be motivated the same way you are or expecting everyone to uh, just get up and do it is um, not really going to work. And it's not helpful. And I think shame and guilt around all that sort of stuff is more damaging than it is helpful. Yeah. And this is it. I mean, like, regardless of the end of the day, guys, the goal should be for yourself on your own journey to get healthy, 
you know you know what healthy is there is metrics out there and yeah your journey is going to look different to everybody else so you know you can't expect to, to ride the same road as, as everybody else and you also can't expect everybody to just hop to the way that you did you know it's like it could take some people five ten times as long but again like i feel like if you're on the journey and you're really doing your best like that should inspire people enough just by you doing your best people see you change and no change is possible that's a good model for somebody to follow you know it's like that's kind of the way to go it's kind of what we try and do and um yeah just kind of based on what you said there that thing what is it the the heart the hot water that softens the potato hardens the egg yeah exactly exactly so uh everyone's different and uh don't judge people for for being fat you get one life everyone's figuring it out no one knows what they're doing and uh yeah peace out guys all right we gotta go peace